Good morning. Good to see you guys. Um, man, I know today um, we've got like potlucks or pot roast and Easter eggs and all that kind of stuff to do. So I'm just going to get to the point. Um, if you're not a Christian here this morning, I think you should become one. And um, I said I was getting to the point. And so, and the, there's more. Hold on. And the reason why I think you should become a Christian is because uh, Jesus rose from the dead. And uh, I'm not exactly where you're at, but uh, at Jubilee, we, we believe that, that Jesus uh, physically and uh, actually and literally rose from the dead. It's not just that his spirit rose from the dead. It was an illusion. It wasn't a group of people who saw him from a distance. And when the light's just right, hits off a rock, maybe that maybe that could have been Jesus. It was, we believe that he physically and actually uh, died. Uh, that he was buried and uh, that he rose to new life. And, and, the, and the reason why we believe that he rose from the dead isn't because that's what our mama told us. Uh, it, it's not because we just, man, we, we would believe anything that would make us feel good. The reason why we believe that is because of, of partly because of these men right here. Um, do we have that? These guys right here. So Matthew, Matthew was a tax collector and uh, he, he became a follower of Jesus, and he witnessed the death and the resurrection of Jesus, and he wrote about that. Mark, he was a Greek, and uh, he, was a, he was a travel companion of this guy, Peter, uh, which we'll talk about here in a minute. And uh, he, he wrote about, he believed and wrote about the resurrection. Uh, Luke, he was a doctor. He wasn't one of the 12. Uh, he was a doctor, but he went back to Jerusalem and he got everyone together and he, took, he, wrote, he writes in the very beginning of his book that he took a, a careful account and interviewed and kind of got the story and he concluded that Jesus did in fact uh, rise from the dead and he wrote about it. John, John was, um, he was at the cross of Jesus. At, he was at the cross. He was also the first uh, man to the tomb when, when they heard that Jesus rose from the dead. I mean, he beelined it. He, he, he went in front of the other 12, and he was the first, and he wrote it, and he believed in Peter. Uh, Peter, what's interesting about Peter, I mean, we, uh, you may know that he was one of the 12 disciples, but he was crucified as well. He was crucified upside down, and he wasn't crucified for what he believed. There's been a lot of people throughout, throughout history who've been crucified or are killed for what they believe. He was crucified upside down for what he said that he saw. And what he saw was the resurrection of Jesus. James, now James is interesting. He was um, the brother of Jesus. And uh, when he was, uh, when Jesus was kind of walking on water and turning water into wine and, and feeding 5,000, Jesus is like, nah, or James is like, nah, you know, like I, I grew up with him and I, he pimpled out in puberty and no, he is not the son of God. And, uh, but later on, uh, after the resurrection, he shows up and uh, we find that he's leading uh, the church in Jerusalem and uh, he saw in witness and believed in the resurrection and he wrote about it uh, as well. And Paul, the apostle Paul, Paul was a murderer of Christians. Uh, it, it says that he went from house to house killing Christians. Um, what Osama bin Laden was to America, uh, Paul was to Christianity in, in the first century. Just unbelievable, total at odds. But he met the resurrected Jesus uh, on the road to Damascus. You can read about that in Acts 9. And so he, he believed and wrote about the resurrection. In fact, more than anyone, it was very central uh, to what he had to say. Um, 
And um, I, I just kind of, um, well, I'll say this. Uh, it's just really, simpl- it's really too simplistic for you to say, uh, well, I don't really believe in the resurrection because I don't believe uh, in the Bible. Um, the reality is that we have, when we say the Bible, the Bible was written by a collection of many different people. And one of them, some of them were these guys right here that wrote essentially uh, uh, most of the New Testament, uh, essentially all of the New Testament. And what was central to their teaching was that Jesus rose from the dead. It wasn't a peripheral thing. And, and uh, I want to talk to you today about something Paul had to say uh, to this church in Corinth. Um, because this church in Corinth was a lot like us today. Uh, they were like, they, they believed in, in Christianity. They believed in, in the love of God and the forgiveness of God. And they were very pro-Jesus. And they were even very pro-the church. But they were kind of like, we're not really so sure uh, about the resurrection. And so Paul wrote this letter to them 23 years after the resurrection of Jesus. Now, I just got to say something about that really quickly. Because uh, about this time of year, I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but... Um, People from Ivy League schools and, and skeptics will get on and talk about uh, the resurrection, which is interesting. And so they'll, they'll, they'll talk about, hey, you can't really believe anything in the Bible because it was written decades after uh, the event. And uh, you guys are really smart people. And uh, do you guys know what it, how long a decade is? Do you know how long a decade is? 10 years. Um, and uh, 23 years would be a little over two decades uh, after it, it happened. But let me, let me show you why that's not a big deal. Um, who recorded and made famous the song With or Without You? Who, who knows that? You too. You too. Very good. How, are you sure? You know that was written like 30 years ago? Do you know that? Are you sure? What about the song Stairway to Heaven? Who wrote that? That's, that's like 40 years ago. What about, what about um, Achy Breaky Heart? I know you want to forget, but achy, breaky heart. You know one wants to admit it. It's Billy Ray Cyrus. Billy Ray Cyrus. Now, honestly, who here could, like, repeat, like, probably at least one verse of one of those songs? Be honest. Yeah, most of you can. How important is that? It's not. Um, here's Here's my point. The, you can remember something that was written 20, 30, 40 years ago that really doesn't mean anything. Is it really that hard to believe that something as big of an event as someone rising from the dead, that, that you, you probably aren't going to be fuzzy on the details on that one, uh, much less the outline of what that was all about? I mean, I, it's only been 14 years, but I, I, there's not a smell or a sight or a feeling that I have yet to forget from September 11, 2001. And I'll probably never forget it. So, so let me just, because you guys are smart people, common sense will tell you that you can remember things 20, 30 years from now, uh, even menial things. How much more can you remember something that is as big of an event as somebody rising from the dead? It's not like, yeah, I can't really remember. Did it, did it happen or did it, did it not happen? I'm just kind of like fuzzy about that. I, I just don't think that common sense would, um, would take you there, especially in an oral culture. I mean, I realize like we, everything that we write down, I mean, we write down, you know, we, 
we, we put on our Facebook if, you know, what we ate for breakfast or, um, you know, how cute our little girl looks or, you know, we write about everything. But back in this culture, all they had was what they told each other. So it's, it's really kind of ridiculous. Uh, so I just don't want, I just want you to discount all that stuff when people say things like, it was written decades ago. Because reality is, it's really not that hard uh, to remember that thing. So anyway, with Paul, I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians uh, 5. If you don't have a Bible, there's one under, under the chair in front of you. Um, or you can just, I'll have these verses on the screen as if you just, if leaning down underneath the seat is too much effort for you. Um, 1 Corinthians 15, if you are going to be one of those black Bibles, it's going to be page uh, uh, 961. And here's the big idea today. You cannot divorce the teaching of Jesus um, uh, from the resurrection of Jesus. Um, there's no doubt about it. In America, everybody gives, most people would give the teaching of Jesus a massive thumbs up. Most people, whether they realize it or not, what they think about who God is, whatever that God is, actually comes from uh, the New Testament, that God is a God of love, that God is a God of forgiveness. So everyone gives a big thumbs up to the teaching of Jesus, and most people give a big thumbs down to the resurrection of Jesus. Uh, but um, I just want to say, like, uh, you can't divorce uh, those two. Um, people love the, 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 the teaching of Jesus, you know, turning the other cheek, forgiving, how Jesus was for the justice, uh, for the, to promoting justice, how he was for the poor, how he dealt with the woman caught in adultery, the woman at the well. It's, it's like, you know, I love Jesus. Yes, I do. I love Jesus. What about you? But the resurrection of Jesus is just one of those things that it's like, you know, I just don't know that I... Um, I can buy into that, but the problem with divorcing the, the, the teaching of Jesus from the resurrection of Jesus um, is that the same guys, and, and if, if you can remember those guys, the same guys that, that wrote all, that recorded all that stuff that we love about Jesus, the forgiveness of Jesus, how he loves us, how we, how we should turn the other cheek, uh, all, the, all those guys that wrote all that, they also wrote and believed that he rose from the dead. In fact, they, most of them died for believing that and, for, and for, for saying that. And let me just tell you something about what you believe, if, if that's what you believe. If you believe like, oh, I, I want to embrace the teaching of Jesus, but I, I don't want to embrace the resurrection of Jesus. Let me just tell you, because I know you don't have time to think about this. I mean, you've got, you've got like um, kids' soccer practice and, um, you know, TV shows to stay up with. You just don't have time to, th- let me just help you with it. This is what you believe. You believe um, you believe that the guys who taught about the truth of Jesus lied about Jesus, um, which doesn't really make any sense. And, and then that's where Paul uh, is really uh, talking about here. He, he's going to say some things. So let me, uh, so we're in um, 1 Corinthians 15, uh, verse 14. He says this, and if Christ has not been raised then our preaching is in vain. That word vain means useless, worthless. It's in vain. And your faith is in vain. So Paul is saying, hey, look, if, if Jesus hasn't been raised from the de- dead, then your faith, everything about your faith is just worthless. You should just give up on Christianity. Everything about Christian, anything Christian, you should just forget about. I mean, stop praying in Jesus' name. Just, just anytime you pray, you know, pray in someone else's name, pray in your name, pray in your boss's name, pray in Taylor Swift's name, pray in, pray in, pray in your favorite sports person's, just don't pray in Jesus' name anymore because it's just, it's just worthless. 
It's futile. It's in vain that you do that. Your faith is in vain. And preaching, they're like, wait a minute, Paul, your preaching's not in vain. I love your preaching, Paul. I mean, I mean, 1 Corinthians 13, love is kind, love is patient. I mean, the, I, we said that at my wedding. I, I love that. Paul's like, look, if you don't think Jesus has risen from the dead, stop using that at weddings. Quit doing that. I don't want you to do that anymore. It's all worthless. It's, it's garbage. It's in vain. And, you, and it's not, it doesn't really mean anything. And he doesn't just say my preaching, but he says our preaching. Well, who's our? He's talking about Matthew and Mark and Luke and John and, and James and Peter. You just got to take all of it. You got to take all of it and just rip it out because it's all in vain. It just doesn't matter anymore if you don't believe that Jesus rose from the dead. In fact, that's what he says. He says in verse 15, he says, we are even found. So this is how big this is. We are found to be misrepresenting God because we testified that God has, has, has raised Christ. So he's saying here that we are, we are misrepping God, which means that we're liars. We're liars. If you, if, you, if you really believe, if what you're saying, this is what he's saying to Corinthians, if you really believe that Christ hasn't raised from the dead, what you really believe is that I'm a liar and everyone else is a liar. So I don't even know why you're listening to me anymore if Christ hasn't raised from the dead. And if Christ has not been raised, verse 17, your faith is futile and you're still in your sins. So I go, whoa, 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 wait a minute. What do you mean about sin? Like, I, mean, I, I believe, let me tell you what I believe. I believe, Paul, that, that God is a, is a God who forgives. Oh, okay, well, where'd you get that? Well, I remember when I was younger, uh, we used to recite the Lord's Prayer. And in the Lord's Prayer, uh, it's, it says that God, will, God forgives us. Well, where'd you get that from? Well, Matthew, Luke. Yeah, you got it. You just, it's just all lies if Christ hasn't risen from the dead. Oh, wait a minute. Here's one. Here's one. I believe, I believe that God is a God of love. That, he, he, that for God so loved the world, he loves us. And that's what I believe. Well, where'd you get that from? Well, John. Oh, yeah, the guy who was at the empty tomb first. That guy. Yeah, he wrote that. All the things that you think, even if you've not really even connected it with Christianity, all the things that most of our culture believes about who God is and wants to embrace is actually from these New Testament writers. And, and Paul's like, man, if you, if, you, if you don't believe this, then all this other stuff is, is, is worthless. In fact, because all these other things, his forgiveness, his love, is, is built upon the foundation of that he rose from the dead. Um, and then he says in verse 18, he says, then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. Now, that, that phrase fall asleep was the Christian way of saying that they, they died physically. And the reason why they said fallen asleep because they believed that, uh, because they believed in the resurrection, that, that death was, was temporary. So they just fell asleep. It's a temporary thing. But that word perish means that, they've, that they died permanently. And so what he's saying is like, you know, like when you went to that funeral 
and, and the preacher stood up and said, hey, no, you know, we can, we can rejoice because we are going to see, we're going to see grandma again. We're going to see grandpa again in heaven. And Paul's like, no, you won't. If Christ is not, that's not true. Um, what, what, this, you think that your loved one has just temporarily died, but if Christ has not been raised, they've permanently died. They've permanently died. And then it's just like, man, then he just throws this one out. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. And that's a big statement. He's saying, um, if the only thing that you get out of following Jesus is in this life, that is pathetic. That is pathetic. You above, you above all groups of people should be pitied. Now, this is coming from a guy who wrote half the New Testament, and if you know about the life of Paul, took a lot of abuse for following Jesus. So he's like, hey, without the resurrection, when you could have cheated to get ahead in your job, you should have cheated. You should have totally done that. When all, that, all, that, um, all the money that you gave away, you should have kept it. All the hours that you volunteered, you, you shouldn't have volunteered them. You should have kept those two. Quit trying, quit giving, quit serving, quit praying, quit reading your Bible, quit showing up here. Go get a hobby, play golf, go shopping, do something with your life if Christ has not been raised. What he's saying is like without Without the resurrection, I mean, church is kind of a lame hobby, is what he's saying. And to be honest with you, a lot of you think that the church is a lame hobby. But I'm just here to say, like, um, I, I would agree with you if Christ has not been raised. You know, why sing a bunch of songs about stuff that just isn't true? Why, why, why hear a bunch of sermons about stuff that just a bunch of guys who lied and made something up? You should be pitied if there is no resurrection. In fact, check out how he ends this line of thinking in verse 32. If, in, if the dead are not raised, let us eat, drink, for tomorrow we die. Why not? Paul's like, hey, if you, you, know, you can monkey around and kind of divorce the teaching of Jesus from the resurrection of Jesus, um, but sooner or later you're going to figure out the inconsistencies. And without the resurrection, there is no love, there is no forgiveness, there is no hope, there is no peace. So, hey, let us eat, drink, for tomorrow we die. But then, in the middle there, he says, but. And this, this Greek word for but is like, man, I've got something amazing to say. But, in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. But Christ has been raised from the dead. And th which means that if you're a Christ follower, that your faith is not in vain, that your prayers are not in vain, that your generosity is not in vain, your serving is not in vain, your tears are not in vain, the hopes that you have for your life are not in vain, your worship is not in, in vain, that you are forgiven of your sin because Jesus has, in fact, risen from the dead. And if you'll, I, I don't have this on the screen, but if you look at 1 Corinthians 15, 3, this is what he says. For I, this is Paul saying, for I delivered to you as first importance. What's the most important thing that you could know about Christianity? Well, the, here it is. 
that what I also received. It says that Christ died for our sins according with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, that he appeared to Cephas or Peter and then the 12. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. So what he's saying is like, look, if you don't believe me, then get a bus ticket, go to Jerusalem and interview probably a couple hundred people who still, you could, that, that would uh, confirm this. And then he appeared to James and to all the apostles. Last of all, as to, un, to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. Um, if you're not a Christ follower, I mean, here's what you need to wrestle with. I mean, the issue for you isn't like what happened to dinosaurs. It's not how old the earth is. It, 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 it's not, you know, was Jonah really swallowed by a fish? Or th- that's not the issue. Um, the issue is, did Jesus rise from the dead? Did Jesus rise from the dead? If he didn't rise from the dead, then game over. Then Christianity is, is dumb. It's useless. We all should abandon it. We should quit. We should go to the lake. Um, you should go play golf, make it a twosome, because I, I don't want to be a part of this if Christ hasn't risen from the dead. But if he did rise from the dead, it means that all of it is true. It means that you really can be forgiven of your sin. It means that you really can have a clean conscience. It, really, it means that you really can have a purpose and that you really can live beyond the grave forever. It means all of it is true. And the reality is, I, I, I know I've, the reality is, I, I don't think the issue for us is that we need more proof. As I woke up this morning, I, that thought as I was getting ready, I thought, you know, we don't really need more proof. There's this story in, in the scriptures. Um, I think it's in Luke 16. It's about... Um, uh, Jesus talks about, the, about this poor man named Lazarus and the rich man. And in this story, uh, the rich man who just ignored God, ignored the poor, ignored love, ignored mercy, ignored, ignored God. And this rich man cries out and says, will you please send uh, Lazarus and have them go and tell my brothers and sisters and warn them about what's going to happen to them and surely if they see someone who's risen back from the dead then they'll believe and this statement is made no they won't they have all the proof that they need all the Moses wrote, Moses and the prophets all this is spoken about they have all the proof that they need more proof isn't going to change anything let me just say this what you're really looking for, you're not looking for more proof. Because I, I found this true in my life, and I, my, by God's grace, I hope this, you find this true in your life, is that God has given us all the proof that we need. He's given us uh, not just one account of this, but four accounts in His grace. Because this is a hard thing to believe, that someone rose from the dead. He gave us these four gospel accounts of this. And he gave us all these other witnesses and these, these 500. And it confirms in our heart and we can see God in creation, the Bible talks about. What we really don't need is more proof. But what we really need to do is we need to, to realize that all this time, God in his love and his grace 
has been running after you. It's actually why you're here today. You think it's because somebody by chance invited you and it's just like, well, you know, I'll just come get them off my back. But actually, God has been after you. And my hope for you today is that you would humble your heart enough to see that. That you would let down your guard for a minute. And I know you've been hurt. Maybe you've grew up in the church and you had some experience that caused you to be bitter. But I even say that, even that experience isn't really the issue. The issue here this morning is, did Jesus rise from the dead? I think if you would let your heart hear that, not just your mind, but you let your heart hear that, I think it would testify to your spirit. And I think that those of us who go to Jubilee, I know for me in my life, it wasn't something I always believed in and trusted in. Because what we say when we say trust and believe, it's one thing for me to, like if I had to, if you told me I had to, um, I want you to stand up here for a week. You can either trust in your legs to stand or you can trust in this. Um, When you in your life, you have this opportunity, like, do I want to trust in my own self that I will be good enough, that I will make the great, you can't even stay on a diet. I mean, you can't even like, you can't even like your own standards. So let me just say that, I don't know why you're, what you're thinking. I, I have this opportunity to trust in my legs to stand, which will crumble. I could, I could trust in this to hold me. And to place your trust in something is it's not just to say, okay, I believe that that will hold me up, but I'm going to transfer myself from my legs to this, to this chair. And what I want to ask you to do today is I want to ask you, if you've not yet done this, to transfer your trust to Jesus. Hey, if he hasn't risen from the dead, let's all just eat, drink, and be merry. I'll be the first one with you. I'll do keg stands with you. I'll eat with you. I'll golf with you. I'll ski with you. We'll just all blow this off if he hasn't risen from the dead. But hey, he has risen from the dead. If you're a Christ follower, you can be encouraged that everything that you're giving your life to is, it's not in vain. And if you haven't yet done that, I just want to invite you to do that this morning. Why don't we stand?